0: Welcome to Isla Nublar, an island off the coast of Costa Rica. Billionaire industrialist John Hammond has leased the island as the home of his new state-of-the-art theme park, for which he spared no expense. Utilizing cloning technology, Hammond has resurrected 15 species of dinosaurs, including Brontosaurus, Triceratops, Velociraptor, and the Tyrannosaurus rex. To sign off on the park, Hammond brings three scientists and his own grandchildren to see his creations, but a freak storm and a disgruntled employee caused the safety features to fail and the dinosaurs to run amok in the 1993 sci-fi adventure classic Jurassic Park. I'm Connor Azagari. I'm Caleb Boucher. You are listening to Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the 129th episode of the Filmgasm podcast. I'm here with our newest podcast team member, Filmgasm co-founder Caleb LeJay, who chose this film because it is his favorite film ever. (laughs) Uh, Very excited to dig into this one. Before we get started, let's check into what we got for the Rewind. I have two updates for you today. One that updates episode 101, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And one that updates two episodes, 106 on Saw and last week's 128 on Leprechaun.
1: You had me for the first two that you
0: said Leprechaun, but go on. (laughs) I think you might. I'm interested to see what you have to say about this, honestly. Um, First up, producer Fede Alvarez, who is producing the upcoming Texas Chainsaw sequel that's going to be a direct continuation of the first film, said that he plans to bring back original film survivor Sally Hardesty. Uh, she will, of course, be recast as Marilyn Burns died in 2014. So this film is uh, ramping up production, it's becoming more and more interesting what this vision is going to entail. Uh, bringing back Sally, I think, is a great way to ground itself in uh, the original's kind of same vein. Uh, what do you think?
1: Uh, I think what I've been hearing about this movie so far has been really excited. Um, I know Texas Chainsaw 3D attempted the whole like sequel to the original to really bad results but it seems like they're doing this right um i know he talked about having an old man's other face to again keep that continuity um practical effects heavy because of his work on evil dead so that has been really excited and um i agree i think getting the character of sally back helps a lot i mean I, you know unfortunately yeah we can't get Marilyn merns because of her passing but to bring the character back and to find an actress that can do it still I think is really helping that connective tissue and really saying that, yes, this is a direct sequel to the horror classic that you guys have loved for decades. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm pumped. I love what Fetty Everest has done so far and I cannot wait to see what he does with this.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously they're copying, you know, the Halloween thing that's worked out so well for that franchise and I would love to see a lot of you know i'd love to see a a nightmare on elm street direct sequel with like a you know older nancy dealing with trauma so i think this will be cool to, to see how they handle these characters and uh yeah i can't wait yeah it easily
1: currently one of my most anticipated horror films coming out
0: oh hell yeah next up saw franchise director darren boosman who is currently helming the new film spiral has expressed interest in doing a leprechaun reboot if this film is successful. What do you think of that?
1: Oh, God. Well, on one hand, I kind of wish there weren't any more Leprechaun movies. But on the other hand, I think if anyone could do it, it would be him. Um, I personally actually really like his Saw sequels he directed. Um, I think he went up to Saw 4. And personally, I liked all three that he did a lot. I'm very excited for his upcoming Spiral whenever that's supposed to come out. And I think, yeah, I think he'll be able to probably better than most writers balance what the original kind of pulled off with the humor and the horror. And obviously he'll be able to add a lot more gore to it because of his time with the soft franchise.
0: I wonder if there's, and do you think there's anything in Leprechaun that could work? Like, do you think there's a, a really freaky horror movie in there somewhere?
1: I, Uh, I don't know because I've seen the ones where
0: they've tried that and it didn't work. (laughs) True, but I feel like no one's ever really tried hard enough. You know, this film franchise has kind of just been like an afterthought to everyone who's touched it.
1: I think honestly, though, I think I think that's why having him do it and expressing interest might be the best thing. Because he clearly wants to do it, it's something he wants to do. So he would probably, I feel like, get a good writer on board if he doesn't just write it himself, and figure out a way to finally make this something that even people that don't really like this franchise can get behind. And he knows, maybe, be like the first lepre- the left con since what, the first one that gets a theatrical release, maybe,
0: <laughs> maybe. I he you know it is he's got the street cred to back it up. He, he like you said, he expressed interest. So maybe he is the guy who could revive the Leprechaun franchise. <laughs>
1: wow. Oh, gosh. You know what? We're getting so many horror movies that I didn't think were happening. So you know what? Bring on Leprechaun, I guess.
0: We're in the, you know, we're in the middle of a reboot uh, era, you know, with Halloween and Candyman and upcoming Texas Chainsaw and Evil Dead. Like we're we're in a we're in a bubble right now.
1: Yeah, it's honestly like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm super pumped for the Stephen King, for what we've been going through, that Stephen King renaissance, and I'm excited for his movies, but you've you, you, know, you've known me for a long time when it comes to my my slashers and like that early 2000s, like extreme horror. I am so, so, so excited to see this slasher revival happen and get all these guys, especially as someone who didn't, obviously, I was born in 92, so I didn't get CDs in theaters. So having that opportunity, like the excitement I felt when I got to go see Halloween 2018 in theaters and say, I got to see Michael Myers on the big screen. Like, I, I got to say that. And, you know, hopefully if two old dudes get their head out of their asses, I can say the same thing about Jason Voorhees at some point in my life. But that I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped with that. I am pumped with the, the TV shows like the Child's Play TV show, uh, the Hellraiser. TV show. I can't remember if, I think Clyde is more heavily involved with that, or the movie. I forget which one he's heavily involved with. So I'm, I'm really excited on this revival on the cuspon. Spawn. you know, give me Friday 13th also,
0: just those. You know, those are two guys who never learn to share. I mean, that's basic shit when you're a child, and they missed it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and what's kind is said, the writers started out in the right. He was just u- utilizing a law that was put in place, and Cunningham wants to be greedy because that's his most profitable franchise he has under his belt and doesn't want to share. And it's like, dude, come on. He wrote you the first movie. He, he's the writer for the first movie. I was like, I know how this movie got made. You just put out a poster with a title. He actually wrote it.
0: think at this point somebody would have just said like guys just stop like why hasn't this been thrown out by a judge or just something i don't know and it's
1: funny i remember when me and josh went to crypticon we met uh the actresses from friday 13th part one and two the two leads um adrian king and amy still and they mentioned it too because we went to a little panel they were at and they were like they mentioned they were like yeah these two old guys would just get their head out of their asses Hopefully you guys can get a Friday 13th movie again. But, I mean, with that said, um, if anyone cares, um, check out some of the fan films that are coming out. There are some really awesome fan films coming out. Um, Never Hike Alone is one I watched. It has a sequel, Never Hike in the Snow, that I want to check out. Um, the part six is Jason, C.J. Graham, he was partaking in a fan film as Jason because oh. – yeah because i mean if they're not going to hurry up and get done with this the fans are like well we'll make fucking movies we'll do it because we want to see this so it's it's there's some good fan films i definitely recommend checking out until we can get an official movie
0: that's great i love that fans are taking matters into their own hands um in regards to halloween i got to see that at the draft house and they went all out on halloween um I was still working there at the time and we had one of the managers dress up as Michael and hide around the lobby. And he scared the shit out of me many times because he did not break character his entire shift. It was remarkable. And, um, before every showing at least for the first week or so there would be a little like Halloween is back pre-show thing. And the light, the whole, the lights would go out in the theater and a spotlight would hit the front of the theater, and J- Michael would be standing there, under the under the screen. The music would cut. He'd disappear, and the movie would start. Oh, it was it was nice.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's,
0: the whole time I was thinking that like, Caleb would love this. I would have been in heaven. <laughs> and well, and that's where like it sometimes
1: bugs me when people like want to downforce. I'm like, you know, yeah, you got your event movies like your your Marvel films that come out all the time. But horror, like, there are some horror horror movies that can be event films, and Halloween is one of them. Like, when you get these icons back on the screen, you can make that event because people are excited. People are like, oh, my God, we are getting a new Halloween. We're getting a new uh, child's play or whatever we're getting, right? And it can make it this big event film, and it can be a a huge thing for the
0: fans and for people that may have
1: parents that grew up with it they are now introducing their kids to it.
0: There's a reason these characters in these films have lasted 30, 40 years. I mean, these these guys are as ingrained into pop culture as Marvel and DC. Like these are, to a lot of people, I think to you, these guys are superheroes. Yeah. And seeing them is an event. It's something you count down to. It's something you look forward to. Like I, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat, man. Halloween was one of my most anticipated films of 2018. I could not wait. I saw it opening night. I like, I got my shift covered so I could see that. Like, I was very much excited, and yeah. I, I love that. I missed that, and I can't wait to have it again.
1: I, I can't wait. Whichever next one comes out with, like, the 10 or so that were announced, would, I'll, I'll be excited for whenever I know which one's coming out first. Ray, it's looking. It might be Scream 5, or the fuck they're calling it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'll be excited. You know, I felt that excitement for Halloween. I felt when they did the Evil Dead Reboot, I'm already getting really pumped after seeing that red band going. Oh my god, I cannot wait for this! Evil Dead is back.
0: And I love a good horror movie. I think the next one we are gonna get for sure in the current calendar is Candyman. Candyman, oh, that got to this year, isn't it? Yeah, that's been pushed a few times. I think right now it's looking like June or October. I don't remember.
1: Okay, yeah, hopefully, yeah, I hope, yeah, I do want, I was really pumped when I saw the trailer before we got. Delayed, I was like, dude, this looks good because I, I like the first. I have not seen the two sequels yet, so no one judged me. Uh, I've sat through some pretty bad sequels my whole time, so um, but the first one's awesome, Tony Todd, awesome. And I remember when I saw that trailer for this and having Jordan Pills' name attached, I was like, this is gonna be good, this will be a good candy man.
0: Just using Destiny's Child's Say My Name was so smart, <laughs> <laughs> just. The trailer was a work of art. I'm oh, I'm pumped for Candyman.
1: I, the the <laughs> song and then that little scene when he's walking near the car and you see Tony Todd as Candyman and he's talking and the voice I'm like, oh, my God.
0: God damn. He is Candyman. No one else could ever fill those shoes. It's just he's, he's the best.
1: <laughs> he, it, it will be what he is remembered for.
0: Oh, hell yeah. I've been, I have tried to do the OG Candyman on this show so many times because I want to time it with the release of the new one. So I keep scheduling it and then the new one keeps getting pushed and I keep having to push that. So eventually we will do Candyman. It's just, it's not up to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, after sitting through R six wrong turn movies for the website, I'm really glad they did not delay the new movie numerous times. Cause, dear God, the pain. It's, uh,
0: I just, you know, I'm hoping that by the time the country figures out what it needs to figure out with the vaccination, that we'll be able to, you know, all this, all the release dates will be able to just stay fixed, and we can go back to doing what we love.
1: Yeah, hopefully we are I know my uh, the Walmart near me; they were advertising that they had the vaccine. The idea is uh, make an appointment with their pharmacy. So again, yeah, somewhere, hopefully
0: a um, kind of ha- a technical employee of Texas State University. I'm an instructional assistant. Mm-hmm. I have a uh, I have, might be able to get the vaccine as well. Oh, okay. Well, I'm hoping yeah. <laughs> um. So what is it about Jurassic Park that resonates with you so much? I know you're a huge, huge fan of this movie.
1: Yeah. So, you know, when I was a kid, my parents, the way their VHS collection was set up was that all the movies I couldn't watch, like Tombstone, Forrest Gump, like all that stuff, Saving Part Ryan, was in the back. And they would put all the stuff I could watch up front. And somehow Jurassic Park and its sequel made the cut. And they put that up front. And I remember as a kid, I would wear those two tapes out. It was literally, I would put the first one in, finish it either that day or the next day, second one, and just rotate constantly. To the point where my parents could not watch these movies for a
0: while. That's awesome. Jurassic Park was your Back to the Future. I did the same shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just I I loved it. I had it times when I knew when the T Rex was coming out and everything. Like I loved it. And I think now that I'm older and I can have coherent thoughts about it. For me, <laughs> there's there's two sides of Spielberg, right? There's the the Oscar worthy, his Schindler's List, serious, Save heart run type of Spielberg, which is really good Spielberg. Don't get me wrong. But then there's the other side, and the one that I like a lot more, the fun Sperberg, the Jaws, the E.T., Indiana Jones, um, more recently with Ready Player One. Um, that's the Sperberg that I like, and that's what this one obviously falls under, where he does such a great job of railing really you in with the awe of what you're seeing. For the characters, right, they're seeing dinosaurs again. For us, we're seeing dinosaurs again. Through expert use of puppetry and CGI, that is aged incredibly well. And you get that all, you get that sense of like, oh my God, I'm seeing dinosaurs before he quickly turns it halfway through the movie. And you know, everyone's screaming and running and all that stuff. And you're still like, you're still in, like, it's not like a turn where you're turned off and you're like, oh, I don't like this movie anymore. It's like, if anything, you're more engaged because he gave you the wonder. He gave you that character development to get invested. And then he just pulls it and goes, all right, Time for to see them survive on this island.
0: Awesome, man! Yeah, it's a an argument could be made for Jurassic Park as a horror film. It's definitely got horror elements. Um, I classify it as action sci-fi personally, but um, it's. I agree with you that there are two Spielberg's, and it is interesting to see how those two Spielberg's kind of approach film. Uh, you know, award-winning Spielberg and geek Spielberg. And I honestly don't know where I fall. Clearly, Geek Spielberg has made some of my favorite movies, but Oscar Spielberg has, too. And it's just he's he's such an amazing director that he can walk in both worlds flawlessly.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. agree. Yeah, yeah. no, I, and I agree. Like, I like his Oscar stuff. I, I mean, you know, I've seen Saving Fire Ryan like 20,000 times. Like his Oscar stuff is really, really good. I just really like when he goes for the geek. Cause he has so much fun and he makes such fun movies that resonate with so many people. And, um, no, I actually do agree that I would label Jurassic park like sci-fi action, but I would, yeah, make the argument that I think it's actually a really perfect gateway horror. And that could be another reason why I love it so much is that as a kid, it was a way for me to kind of dip my toes into horror without being too scared. Cause it doesn't go all the way. I know it tones down considerably from the novel. But he does just enough to go like, okay, I know the sequel, to me, the sequel goes way more into the horror aspect than this one does. But, you know, he goes just enough to get you interested and invested.
0: I agree. It's, uh, I mean, this was, you know, a game changer when this came out. 93 was a hell of a year for Spielberg. I mean, to have this and Schindler's List happen at the same time, that's incredible. I mean, I still haven't seen Schindler's List because I know it's going to be a fucking downer and uh i don't know if i want to sit through three hours of the holocaust just yet
1: i sat through it, i think for a history class in high school i've seen the movie i want to say it was history class in high school and yeah it's it's really good like it's a great movie liam neeson's awesome but yeah yeah, it is such a downer for three hours it's it's a tough watch it's i definitely recommend watching it at least once um but, yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one to sit through.
0: I'm sure it'll come up as a Best Picture Showdown on Oscar Sunday at some point, and that's when I'll finally do it. Mm. Uh, I'm surprised Jurassic Park 3 wasn't up for more awards. Uh, John Williams for Best Score. I mean, that alone. <laughs> I mean, this wasn't even one of his nominations. That's incredible. One of the most iconic of all time and wasn't even touched.
1: I'm 28 years old. I can I still hum that theme song to this day. Just randomly wrote a problem and I'll be like,
0: it's beautiful and it's it really kind of contrasts the movie because the the score is so wondrous like it's a magical land of possibility and then you have this you know a man who is consumed by his own hubris and his own desire to be like remembered that he completely disregards this nightmare he's created he doesn't see it as a horrific monster. He sees this as a, you know, a theme park for children. Like, he's planning this to open for kids. He brings his grandkids there. It's it's wild. And I love how the score kind of pushes back on that. It Williams was always, he, he's always been so good at telling his own story with the music. And every film he's ever done, especially with Spielberg. And I, I adore that.
1: Oh, no, I agree. He... He crushes it when it comes to scores. This is obviously my favorite score, <laughs> but yeah, no. And that's, I think why to me, the movies, when you, you mentioned like, you know, the Ham- Hammond's character and his hubris and all that stuff, why the movies age so well too, is that on a surface level, it's a fun movie where you, as a kid, you get to see dinosaurs come to life and then wreak havoc. But underneath that, as you get older and you keep watching it, you see a lot of the smart stuff that Spielberg points to that script in regards to man's place in the universe and are do we have the right to play God? And all this really smart storytelling techniques and questions he puts in there throughout the movie and leaves it up to you as the viewer to draw your own conclusion.
0: It's brilliant. It's you know, it's a film about what are we capable of? And I love how, you know, Ma- Malcolm points that out. You know, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could. They didn't stop to think if they should. It's a It defines the movie, that line.
1: Yeah, and it's actually in my nose, one of my favorite lines.
0: It's, yeah, of course. It's great. Uh, and it's interesting that when you look at Lost World, Hammond still doesn't learn his lesson. He never realizes what he's done. And... Yeah, you just you look at kind of all the sequels and the way that question keeps coming up, especially in Fallen Kingdom, and just how we never learn our lesson. History repeats itself. It's yeah, Spielberg knew what he was doing that.
1: <laughs> he yeah, he he killed it. Yeah, I do remember the sequel is great right, when you know Heyman doesn't learn his lesson. And I love Goldblum's performance in like the that scene when he's with Hammond in his bed, and he's like, dude. Really, there's another island. Are you serious? Like?
0: But no, you your lesson the first time. When Hammond says, like, we're not making the same mistakes and Malcolm just goes, no, no, you're making all new ones. And he's like about to like pass out. Like, Jesus, man, how many God, to make two dinosaur islands not realize that you are essentially Dr. Frankenstein. Like this is wild. And in the book, Hammond is a monster. Like it's Richard Attenborough who really made Hammond a likable kind of grandpa guy. But in the novel, John Hammond is a tyrant who, like, manipulates everybody, who, like, openly, like, skimps on park resources because he wants to save money and, like, doesn't care about safety, like, deliberately endangers his grandchildren. Like, he's an unlikable son of a bitch in the book. So he doesn't spare no expenses in the book? No. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I don't know if I should spoil the novel for you or not.
1: I've heard about the novel. I know... That characters are alive in the movie, honestly, alive in the book. Hammond's not like what on that's a lot, like really
0: gory. Yeah. Well, Hammond gets his in the book, and it's very appropriate. Uh, Do you remember in the beginning of Lost World, when the little girl gets attacked by the copies?
1: Oh, yeah. That's a haunting scene.
0: (laughs) That happens to Hammond, but he doesn't walk away. (laughs) It's vicious. the, the lawyer is actually a lot more of a redeemable character. Like, he he survives the whole thing. <laughs> really? He goes out of his way to save the kids. Like, it's, it's weird. Um, Nedry gets, like, violently eaten alive. It's, it's a horror novel. The novel is a horror story for sure.
1: And the movie got the Spielberg touch. But, again, I actually really like the Spielberg touch of this movie.
0: Dude, he's, he is magical. Like, you can always tell when you're watching a Spielberg movie. He's got something. I don't know what it is, but it's there.
1: Yeah, I think that's why, for me, I haven't been as into, like, the Oscar side of Spielberg. Because I kind of felt a little chated when I, either after this or Lost Board, or really, I guess, after Indiana Jones and Crystal Skulls, He didn't, for a long time, really do a geek movie he kept doing an oscar movie oscar movie. and i was like man come on spielberg like i get it you want to do your oscar movies but give me that fun give me i know you have an in you and then when you finally did ready player one i went to go see that and i was like oh my god finally fun geek spielberg is back and i love that movie it's I, oh it was so i was so happy to see that and i was like he still has it thank you god he still has it
0: i was so hesitant with ready player one i was thinking like oh my god it's just a retread of everything that's great this is gonna suck and I ended up getting talked into a, a midnight screening. I was at Draft House still. And we were doing an employee screening of it before, like the day before it was going to come out officially. And I went and I thought, all right, fine. I got nothing better to do. And the movie happened. And I was drawn in within five minutes. I'm like, he's racing in a DeLorean. It's Kong. Three D- T-Rex. Like, I was like, this is made for me. <laughs> this is amazing. And the power went out right when Mechagodzilla showed up. It was the middle of a storm, power went out, and I had to go see the movie myself that weekend <laughs> to see how it ended. <laughs> I was so pissed.
1: And Texas, one well, a storm happens in Texas, and everything just gets destroyed. <laughs> I, I I got y'all's emails about. I won't lie, I wasn't trying to be rude, but part of me did laugh just because every email I got was there's no there was no uh, water there was no food. I was like, calm down. <laughs>
0: We were delirious. It was like, that was not day one. That was day, like, seven. (laughs) We were just like, it's all falling apart. (laughs) If you guys are telling me this on
1: a very long deployment for me, so I'm just like, oh, so now you're on my level of mentality right now. You're in my state of mind. (laughs) (laughs) I was in that state of mind for months.
0: Although, being stuck with, you know, Candlelight did give me a chance to actually break into and finish the novel Ready Player Two. Oh, nice. Which, which, which rocked. My God. I'm <laughs> <laughs> waiting for that movie.
1: Yeah, please bring Spielberg back for that one, too.
0: I know I he's he already bought the him. rights. Like, he's, he's for sure coming back. Um, so, but you look at, like, you know, I know that in the past, like, between Crystal Skull and Ready Player One, he didn't do a lot of geek films. But, like, his Oscar stuff in that time was so good. Warhorse, Lincoln, like, those were great movies. Oh, yeah, no. They are great movies. I just
1: don't revisit them as much.
0: Good point. Good point. Yeah. I'll watch Raiders of the Lost Ark every day for like, you know, six months and never get tired of it.
1: Yeah. It was I watched Link. I watched Link. I didn't see War Horse I did watch Lincoln. And I really like Lincoln. Daniel Day-Lewis did a great job. I haven't had the biggest urge to really re-watch a movie about him coming out with his 10-minute speech.
0: Fair enough. You know, a lot of Oscar bait movies, while they are good, are kind of one and done. I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, and, you know, Spielberg is guilty of that, too. Um, so Jurassic Park is based on a novel by Michael Crichton, the author of The Andromeda Strain, Congo, Timeline, and the screenplay for the film Westworld, which I think he also directed. Um, Crichton also co-wrote the screenplay for Jurassic Park with David Koepp. And Crichton seems to be the expert at futuristic theme parks, screws up, and kills a lot of people. (laughs) Because Jurassic Park is Westworld with dinosaurs.
1: (laughs) Don't take this man to amusement parks anytime soon.
0: Oh, God, no. That guy had a shitty time at Disneyland once and just never stopped writing about it.
1: Yeah, except that Disneyland, that you know, they don't come to life and try to eat you.
0: Yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean doesn't eat the tourists. Love that. Um, God,
1: many great lines in this movie,
0: so many. I think my all time favorite is when um, Malcolm sees the camera in the car and just goes up there and goes, So, you do eventually plan to have dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour, right, John? <laughs> John,
1: I really hate that man. <laughs>
0: I think one of my favorites
1: of his is when he walks up to that big pile of uh, dino shit, and he just goes,
0: that's a big pile of shit. Every time I always think like that's what people said about Jurassic Park 3. Alan. Anyway. <laughs> the- <laughs> all you have to say and fans immediately know what you're talking
1: about. <laughs> it's also the only one I can say I truthfully
0: don't like at all. So we'll get, we'll get to that. But yeah, I have problems with that one, too. <laughs> so Crichton, I've, I read Jurassic Park and I read The Lost World. I don't really remember The Lost World that much. I like to reread it. But Jurassic Park was great. Um, I tried to read The Andromeda Strain and it was way too technical and I just couldn't do it. And after COVID, there's no way in fuck I'm ever reading The Andromeda Strain.
1: <laughs> me was- I'm good you It's only with a pandemic going on, but potentially ending soon. Who knows? That you don't want to read a book about pandemics.
0: I don't really want to watch Outbreak or Contagion either. I just no, I'm good. Twenty-eight days later, I'll I'll keep, but the rest of them I don't really. I'm gonna need a few years.
1: Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the uh, the post-pandemic movies that will be coming out soon.
0: I, I don't want any that show America as saving the day because that is horseshit. <laughs> We fucked up so hard, and I do not want the movies reflecting that. We're I don't want it to be Independence Day with a virus. So like, don't no. get Michael,
1: don't get Michael Bay attached to it.
0: You know, I found out today Armageddon is in the Criterion Collection.
1: If, look, I like Armageddon. I'm just going to preface with that, but I can't believe it's in the Criterion Collection of all things.
0: Was, I was at Half Price Books and I saw they had a criterion section, and I always checked that. They're way too overpriced, but I always look. And Armageddon was in there, and I'm like, that's got to be a misprint. I pulled it out, and it said the criterion collection on the cover. And I'm like, what? And I looked into it, like, yep, this is the Michael Bay one, not some documentary from the 50s. This is the Michael Bay movie.
1: <laughs> I would buy it just to say I have a criterion of Armageddon. $18, buy
0: $18 used movie.
1: Yeah, I actually, I think, I don't have any Crotinators because of their price, but if I am to get one one day, I'll probably get their uh, Nine Living Dead one they got.
0: Oh, nice. Very nice. Uh,
1: I need to get that, because the one I have is one of the many public domain Blu-rays that are out, so to have an official release will be nice.
0: I don't own any Romero. No, I do own Land of the Dead, but that's the only one. I don't have any other ones. Not out of spite, I just haven't found them. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly,
1: they're hard to find.
0: Yeah. I have a criterion of the Great Dictator and Chasing Amy.
1: Chasing Amy was a Criterion selection.
0: I know, right? Weird, but it's actually it's a very touching uh, love story. Like, where's that Kevin Smith? I want him back. <laughs> you ain't getting him. Yeah. Um, Congo is a cool story. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I did see the movie, and you know, you know, I have an issue with weirdly shaped monkeys.
1: <laughs> you have a, the most specified fear or something I've heard from
0: anyone in my life. Yeah. And that's going to come up next week. Hint, hint. Um, but yeah, that movie's about, you know, a race of hyper intelligent gorillas that attack scientists. And the movie, I thought, you know, had Tim Curry, Bruce Campbell, like a decent cast. And I, I enjoyed it. And um, I do own the book. And one day I would like to read that.
1: Yeah. Admittedly, I am bad at my Michael Grind. haven't read his books. Um, unfortunately I do want to, it's, it's on there. Um, I, I need to watch Congo. There's been many times where it's been on like one of the streaming services. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to watch it. And like we all do, I go do something else Then I'm like, you know what? Let me finally watch it. And it's gone then. And I'm like, well, fuck you. Right.
0: <laughs> I got in the window. I was like, I got it right before it left Netflix once. And I watched it. I gave it a seven. It was a uh, decent, but could have been better. Uh, I wanted more Bruce Campbell and more Tim Curry.
1: Hugh doesn't want more Bruce Cameron, more Tim Curry
0: Yeah, exactly uh, Timeline you ever seen that one? I have not Very weird time travel movie from like 2003, Paul Walker Gerard Butler uh, David Thulis, and Billy Connolly <laughs> Yeah, I haven't read the did book you, yet
1: <clears throat> Did you just say Paul Walker and Gerard Butler in the same movie? Yeah yeah, the Fast and the Scottish. Yep. Uh,
0: and uh, I wasn't about family. Actually, no, it kind of was. God damn it. <laughs> the scientists find a wormhole that leads specifically to like 1400s France. And uh, Billy Connolly plays a scientist who falls to the wormhole, gets trapped, and they don't know how to get him back. David Thulis is the head of the project. And he's a tyrant, crazy guy. And Paul Walker and Gerard Butler and the girl—I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, they go back in time. They go through the wormhole to find Billy Connolly and bring him home. But a terrorist blows up the wormhole, and David Thewlis and his team has to figure out how to reconstruct the time machine, or else they're trapped in like 1482 France. You don't want to be trapped in 1482 France. Not a good. not, not a good time. It wasn't, I haven't seen it in a few years. I remember it wasn't bad. It was just unnecessarily confusing as most time travel movies are.
1: Yeah, that's, and- I think that's why, well, you know, you got your movies like Back to the Future, right? Um, I know you're a real big fan of, and I've seen those that take a very simplistic approach to time travel. Those are the ones I appreciate. When you start getting all wacky, scientific, I'm going to tune out because now I'm, I'm lost in the sauce. I'm what you're trying to tell me.
0: My f- I love Back to the Future to Death, and it's my favorite movie, but my favorite time travel, like, concept ha- is Avengers Endgame. The way they did time travel was so simple and easy to follow. Just every travel, you know, every journey creates a new timeline. Perfectly simple. Like, yeah. Nothing to mess with, nothing to think about, just okay.
1: Boom. Yeah, new new timeline, and it's so simple that for the movie you're watching and and Marvel's very subtle way of setting up future stuff. No spoilers, because I'm having to still catch up. I've yet to watch *Avengers: So,
0: but it's it's more about grief than anything else. Uh, I still have to watch. I haven't watched the premiere of *The Falcon and the Winter Soldier* yet. I gotta get on.
1: I I've heard really great things about it, so.
0: They just announced Black Widow is going to be on Disney Plus in July. I saw that. Don't.
1: I really. So, you know, HBO Max really sold me with the fact that I just have to subscribe to their service already, and I get the movie for a certain amount of time for free. I don't know how I feel about this whole thirty dollars. I know exactly how
0: I feel. It's horseshit.
1: Yeah, (laughs) like, I don't. This, and this is when people are like, see, one day theater's going to go away and we'll go straight stream. I'm like, no, we won't because we're going to be paying more money to watch it at home than just going to the theater, unless you have a family. Different story.
0: Well, Black Widow is going to be on Disney Plus and in theaters July. So it's going to get a, a double release.
1: I'll probably go soon in theaters then to spend less money that way.
0: I refuse to pay Disney Plus 30 more. They just upped their uh, – chart their monthly charge to eight bucks. It's not seven bucks anymore. It's eight bucks.
1: Oh, see, this they're they're doing that thing where we we're in all these great quality shows on there, and they're like, oh, we have to charge more.
0: Do we? Do we really hemorrhaging money, Disney? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this is you.
1: A, this is a company that bought another company just to get X Men. Let's just be honest with ourselves. We know how they play.
0: Dirty, very dirty. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) so Jurassic Park was directed by Steven Spielberg he did the first two movies and instead of listing his incredible filmography let's just fanboy out for a bit Spielberg where do you go first I assume Jaws (laughs) yeah
1: yeah my go to is Jaws and then probably Jurassic Park but god it's tough because I do I love the Indiana Jones series well I like the first
0: three (laughs) Yeah, I like the Indiana Jones trilogy that they only ever did and didn't make a fourth film. I love that too.
1: Yeah, yeah, the trilogy, yeah. Um, <laughs> um Even if the stuff he produced, right, in the 80s, like the Back to the Future and Poltergeist and Boy well, Directed E.T. Directed E.T., like I, all that stuff, I love. Um, You know, Ray Player wasn't a new favorite of mine. So yeah, like I said, if it when it comes to Spurberg, I'm all about like the geek Spurberg because I love it when he geeks out.
0: He geeks hard. Spielberg geeks hard. One of my favorites that I think is fairly underappreciated is Hook.
1: Oh, I forgot. I love Hook.
0: Hook is my favorite Peter Pan story to date. I, I don't think they've ever really fully done that story correctly. I feel like they keep fucking it up. And Hook is the best I ever, I ever going to get. I grew up with that movie. It, you know, Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, Julia Roberts and Bob Hoskins. I mean, it's just beautiful. One of my favorite John Williams scores again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, just a, entertaining fun family film
1: yeah i, I that, that was actually one i grew up with watching a lot because uh it was always on tv so i would watch it all the time and yeah i mean wrong rooms is great in it um hook i forget who plays hook in that movie it's been so long
0: dustin hoffman which Justin is crazy hoffman. it doesn't it, it, he never seems like hoffman like to me that is captain hook it's crazy yeah
1: he just melts into the role. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I love hook. I actually, I need to get that on Blu-ray. I love that movie.
0: I had that on tape. That was one of my, my, I had about a hundred tapes when I was a kid and I just, you know, constantly went through them, watched them on my VCR and would just like rewind and start over. And hook was one of those. Uh, I had it on DVD and now I have it on Blu-ray. It's one of those, you know, triple threat movies where I had them on all three formats. (laughs) that was Jurassic Park
1: we had the VHS and I got the DVD set and then when they came out the Blu-ray set and time for the at the time Jurassic World 1 coming out I picked up the Blu-ray set
0: yeah I think I did too yeah it's a good set Hmm? Um. (laughs) Spielberg Uh, trying to think of other like hardcore like favorites Um, we've named a lot of them um I really like Duel.
1: I haven't. I need to see that. I haven't seen it. Um, I keep trying to find it on a streaming service. I think I actually saw it on Shutter one time. I might be wrong.
0: We have a Spielberg Blu-ray collection that has uh, the first two Jurassic Parks, ET, Always, which I haven't watched, uh, 1941, which I also haven't watched, and Duel. Oh, and the Sugarland Express. It's got that too, which I haven't seen. But uh, Duel is such a simple movie. It's just, you know, guy passes a truck on the highway, truck is pissed, truck hunts him down. That's the whole movie. (laughs) There's no plot. It's just this guy trying to get away from a giant truck. And it's fucking great. (laughs) Okay. All right. His first movie, and he's already got talent. It's great.
1: I mean, he, what, Charles was like his
0: second? Yeah, because he did Charles right after Duel. Jaws was like his third. I think he did the Sugarland Express in there. But, yeah, it was one of his first five out of that.
1: Okay. So, one of his earliest films. And look how much he changed the game with that. Yeah.
0: Crazy. With Jaws, he was able to write his own ticket. He could do whatever he wanted.
1: Yeah. After people he was being fought with constantly for, you know, understandable reasons. The shock wasn't working. The, the shoot was not easy. But, God, what he pulled off with that movie – and I mean, from being one of the early films to half characters talking over each other
0: and really pushing the boundary of the PG rating. I will never in my life understand how the hell Jaws squeaked by with a PG rating. I mean, that film has so much gore and a fair amount of nudity, and it still <laughs> got a PG rating. Jesus Christ, what did you have to do in 1975 to get an R rating? It's really amazing but if you look at
1: the NPA, right? With Spielberg, they let him slide. Jaws, we'll slide. Raiders of the Lost Ark, we'll slide. And then also in Temple of Doom, they went, okay, well, hold on.
0: So you can melt as many Nazis as you want, but the second you rip out a Hindu guy's heart, it's going too far. Yeah. And uh, was Poltergeist was PG thirteen, right? Or was it PG? I think that was PG also because PG thirteen didn't show up till eighty four because of okay. Temple of Doom and Gremlins. Those yeah. two movies.
1: Okay, yeah, and that. And he, yeah, even when he produced to me, because the,
0: movie, the guys had the scene where he rips his face off. Yeah, man. it's The, the clown. The tree. like What the fuck? The, the pool of bones. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sperberg got away with so much, yet every time a new Fire 13 came out on the 80s, they were like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you need to cut some shit out of there if you want an R rating, mister. But Sperberg, they were like, well, PG, it's fine. Kids can go see Nazis' faces getting melted off. That's okay.
0: I yeah, think they should see Nazi faces melted. I think that should be taught in schools. <laughs> Nazis are bad. Remember when that wasn't controversial? We <laughs> uh, <laughs> just got canceled. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, <laughs> Spielberg's the best. And yeah. uh, I think in the works right now, he's got... Um, He's doing a movie based on his own childhood. Uh, I just
1: read Seth Rogen got cast play like his uncle or something.
0: Yeah. And Michelle Williams is going to probably be like his mom, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be interesting. And then he's also working on Ready Player Two and Indiana Jones Five. I think he's producing.
1: Hmm. I right. We'll see. Uh, one thing I've got to mention that I think I like about Spurberg or we're geeking out of him and why I tend to really like his stuff. He geeks out on his geek out movies. It's because, you know, with his Oscar films, he has to be restrained and make a Oscar-worthy movie. But when you watch one of his geek out movies, his enjoyment, his pleasure, and his love for film and everything attached to that movie shines through. And I think that's what I love. It's like, it's infectious. Like you watch Jaws, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones, Ready Player One, and his love for the material shines through so much in the finished product that it's hard
0: for me to not enjoy it. Very true. He, um, I also think it's interesting that he can kind of some of his geek films fall into Oscar territory too. Like he can, you know, pull like Jaws, Raiders, and um, ET were all up for Best Picture, so he can do that too. Um, he makes geek films into Oscar movies and he makes Oscar movies into geek films. He's he's like a fucking movie alchemist. Like, I don't know how he does that, but it's amazing.
1: He is continuously trailblazed throughout his entire career, and it's impressive what he's pulled off.
0: Yeah, for sure. He's, you know, people who don't really watch a lot of movies, they know the name Steven Spielberg. He's become like almost synonymous with Hollywood. <clears throat> Love it.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I, I I love him. And obviously, this movie was my intro and why I love him so much.
0: Understandably, man. This is a hell of a, you know, I don't think anybody's made more masterpieces than Steven Spielberg.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Best part is there's actual like some technical issues with this movie if you pay attention. But I still can put my my like blinders on and be like, nope, this is a perfect movie for me.
0: Dude, in, in Raiders, when Belloc explodes, it is so clearly a puppet, but I don't give a shit because I love watching God fuck up these Nazis. <laughs> it's all about, you know, I grew up with this movie, no one's taking this away from me.
1: Yeah. And that's yeah, same here with this. I'm not no one's taking Jurassic Park away from me. This will be a movie that, you know, if I have a family one day or whatever, I will be showing this to them. Like, I I fucking love this movie. <laughs>
0: it's fantastic let's talk about the cast so we have Sam Neill as Dr. Alan Grant, Dino expert. Neill would return in Jurassic Park 3 and is set to return in the upcoming Jurassic World Dominion Uh, so glad they finally convinced him to come back. Uh, Sam is a guy who's kind of always been there and keeps popping up in movies that I just love and yeah, I I really like Sam Neill, I'm a fan.
1: I I am too he pops up in stuff like I don't hear about him often but I'll be watching like I remember when I was watching uh, Daybreakers yeah, and he good just one. popped up in it and I was like oh shit Sam Neill so I, I like him he always brings a really good performance and um, just a good addition to any movie I've seen
0: I agree uh, he's a guy I grew up with because of this mini series he did in 98 on I think it was the Hallmark Channel uh, Merlin I know I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know it was a Hallmark. But um, he did a three-part miniseries in 98 called Merlin, where he plays Merlin. And uh, you get to see kind of the story of King Arthur from his perspective. And it was so cool. To me, still, like, the definitive King Arthur story. Uh, Decent cast. Helena Bonham Carter is Morgan Le Fay. Isabella Rossellini is Nimue. Um, What's her name? Miranda Richardson is Queen Mab, Queen of the Fairies. Uh, Martin Short is her like helper, a gnome named Frick. It's, it's such an odd thing. To take, it's like You follow Merlin from his childhood learning how to be a wizard to being gifted Excalibur by the Lady of the Lake to fight King Vortigern and help King Uther take over the land for, for good. But Uther turns out to be a son of a bitch. And it's, it's all like, you, you know King Arthur's coming and it's the buildup to like where Arthur goes. And then he fights Mordred and it just, It's so cool. It's like five hours long, but it's such a cool story. And Sam Neill's just fantastic in it. On the
1: Hallmark Channel.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it was bitching. It was back, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they... I'm going to confirm that. <laughs> because I'm never going to hear the fucking end of it if it was indeed on the Hallmark Channel. Or no, you 1998. won't. 1998. <laughs> um, okay. Tele- ha! NBC. Never mind.
1: You lucked out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was distributed by Hallmark Entertainment. They made the DVD. That's why I ah. bought it. Okay. Well, it's a really cool miniseries, and if my word means anything, I think you'd like it.
1: Okay. Now I'll check it out.
0: I think it's on Prime. Uh, so that was kind of my intro to Sam Neill. So he, to me, he's always been Merlin.
1: Okay. He's always been Dr. Grant to me.
0: You're seeing the Mouth of Madness.
1: Oh, I've only seen parts of it. I've not watched the whole way through. I want to watch it because I, he's in it. I heard he's really good in it.
0: I'm on an ongoing quest to watch all of John Carpenter's films, and I've only got a handful left. But In the Mouth of Madness had such a cool score and such a cool premise that I was really disappointed when it ended up being kind of a dud. Oh. Uh, but he's great. It's it's such a cool idea. Just, you know, a horror author's books are coming to life. <laughs> That's all you need. Yeah, he he usually does good.
1: Um, Have you seen Event Horizon? Long time ago. I'd say he's in that, and he's awesome. And he goes like full tilt crazy throughout the
0: movie and commits, and it's it's awesome to watch. The whole idea of a spaceship going to hell is really intriguing. I think I should give Event Horizon another shot.
1: Honestly, the best Paul W.S. Anderson movie you'll watch.
0: Is that – they're really saying something?
1: I mean, depending on how much you like Resident Evil and this monster movie that I have yet to see, I guess. I don't know.
0: I've only seen the first Resident Evil and that was like 10 years ago and I do not remember it. Uh, I think he did Mortal Kombat, right? Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. That's probably my favorite Paul W.S. Anderson movie. (laughs) Okay. But like picking my favorite Paul W.S. Anderson movie is like saying, you know, which which bee would you like to sting you because one of them stings the less? Like, I don't want any of them, but if I had to pick, I guess that one.
1: <laughs> I'll take Event Horizon.
0: Sam Neil, cool guy. Have you seen Peaky Blinders?
1: No, no. I'm, I'm very behind on, like, British television, unfortunately.
0: I watched the first – three maybe four seasons i kind of fell off of it um but sam Neil's the bad guy in the first half of the show and he plays this like crazy scotland yard inspector who's determined to do whatever it takes to take down this this uh birmingham street gang and he goes to like insane lengths he loses his mind and he just becomes such a despicable son of a bitch but it's a great character for him and uh very happy he gets continuous work i love seeing him as the fake thor in, or the fake Odin in Thor Ragnarok, I thought that was hilarious.
1: Oh yeah, I freaked out there. I was like, "Oh my god, it's Doctor Grant!"
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, he's awesome. Love him to death. Um, Oscar winner Laura Dern plays Doctor Ellie Sattler, Grant's partner. Dern won her Oscar for her performance in 2019's Marriage Story. He was also nominated for 1991's Rambling Rose and 2014's Wild. She also returned in Jurassic Park 3 and is also coming back in Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, Laura Dern as Dr. Ellie Sattler. Thoughts?
1: I like her. Um, she she is like, you know, a very strong female uh, protagonist. She has a lot of my uh, really lot of great, awesome scenes in this movie. Um, I was actually kind of sad when she came back for the third film and she's really only there to talk. Sam Nail, and that's it. But I guess she has a, like a, a really cool redemption moment in the end. of The movie That that's a cool part for her. But besides that, I didn't really like what they did with her in the third movie. Um, I hope, um, after my disappointment with what they did with Goldblum and Fallen Kingdom, that her return in the upcoming Dominion is substantial because I actually really like her and I think she's been shortchanged since this first movie came out.
0: Never really had a lot of thoughts on laura dern i thought she was kind of bland for the most part not really an actress i really wanted to pursue her work you know but then i watched wild at heart in 1990 and i thought holy shit, she's hot in this <laughs> and now i n- now i get it I, now, she was amazing in that and just damn <laughs> so Wild Heart is the film I'd recommend if anybody's feeling a little lu- lukewarm on Laura Dern.
1: Okay. Uh, she was really good in um, I know you guys did an episode on it. Uh, the Twin Peaks third season. Yeah. I was waiting yeah. to see your face when I said that. She yeah. was really good. I, I understand. I listened to the episode. I understand your feelings on it. I like the third season for the most part but dear God, does it move slow.
0: No one gets it (laughs) With Twin Peaks Everyone's just like It's Twin Peaks Get on board No No Tell a goddamn story (laughs) Ah.
1: You you basically summed up David Lynch's entire career It's this Just get on board No Just give me some answers
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much At some point He just became revered And everyone's like It's David Lynch So it's your fault If you don't like it No that's not how it works god damn it <laughs> i do really like his character in twin peaks he always cracks me up i agree i hey i liked the first two seasons of twin Peaks. Oh. i enjoyed that yeah. it's that third season that's like you know 15 hours of fucking nothing that irritated me and still irritates me clearly i still have very hard feelings about this <laughs> i felt betrayed by a good friend I'm talking about David Lynch, not Austin or you. <laughs> I thought we got to know each other quite well. And then he springs that shit on me.
1: <laughs> In all fairness, I think the most I told you when I was watching it was like, yeah, this is a really good show. And that was when I was watching the first two seasons. And then I watched me and I was like, yeah, the movie's good. And I don't think I told anyone about the third season. I think I only texted Josh. And I'm like, dude, what is going on? He's like, I remember this. Hey, wait till you get to episode eight. What are you talking about? Get to episode eight, I was like, I was sitting on my couch like, did I take drugs before I watched this show?
0: That is exactly what Austin told me. Wait till episode eight. And I'm like, I was. I got to episode eight and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's like the least of anything I've seen. I, all I did was confuse me more. And I'm just like, what is it? What do I? What do you see that I don't? Lend me your eyes. Let me see this the way you see this. <laughs> I just don't. Ah. <laughs> I wasn't prepared to bring all this up again.
1: <laughs> well, Realize what I did. I just want to point out that she was really good in that third season.
0: <laughs>
1: I liked Laura
0: Dern. I feel like I just finished putting the, putting the wall back together and you summon the fucking Kool-Aid man again. <laughs> now I got to build the wall again.
1: <laughs> What's sad is this is the first time this has happened between us. I'm really good at doing this to you.
0: Yeah, you're right. You did it last week, didn't you? <laughs> well, I think we have a new recurring surprise segment on the show where I just randomly lose my shit. This, this is what happens when you're
1: the oldest of three you get really good at finding something that someone gets annoyed by and you're like how can i possibly bring this up at some <laughs> point well
0: it doesn't help that i have like 125 you know plus episodes and some of them are me just freaking out about how much i didn't like a movie <laughs> oh god laura dern yep <laughs> Jeff Goldblum plays Dr. Ian Malcolm, Chaotician, and Goldblum-esque weirdo. He uh returned in the Lost World, Fallen Kingdom, and he's coming back for Dominion. Uh he's Goldblum. I mean, what more can you say? How can anybody not like Jeff Goldblum? He's he's the man.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I don't know what I can add to this because he is awesome. I safe to say we both love him. I'm pretty sure all of Film Gasm loves him whole world of jeff goldblum oh, he's just Lord. he yeah. he literally got a show on disney plus that whole jeff goldblum sees whatever the hell it's called simply effect fact that it's jeff goldblum like let's just be honest he's he's, he's awesome
0: got, he's the best he was you know hilarious as the grandmaster in thor ragnarok uh that was funny as hell
1: i was wow. so happy to see when like marvel was like yeah we got jeff goldblum for Thor Ragnarok." i was like oh my god yes Marvel we got Jeff Goldblum. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, I got it. That's such a, that's a great movie. I have given a surprisingly low amount of tens to the MCU. That's one of the, that's one of them.
1: Yeah. Taika Waititi really just did a great fucking job on that movie.
0: That and Jojo Rabbit and what we do in the shadows. He's become one of my favorite filmmakers. I can't wait to see what he does next. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, uh, I need to watch the second season of what we do in the shadows. The first season was so funny.
0: I haven't checked out the show yet. I've only seen the movie, but I've heard the show is just hilarious.
1: Oh, it it is so funny. They have – I won't spoil who, but I forget which episode. They have to go, like, to the Vampire Council for something. And the cameos of actors who have played vampires that they got got is impressive. That's cool. The ones they throw shade at that told them no is also awesome.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. All right. That's, that's the motivation I needed. That's great. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't think we can really, we we can't go past Goldblum without just at least mentioning the fly. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) I watched it recently within the past few months when we, when Josh and I did the fifties fly on the show, I decided to just, yeah, what the fuck and watch the fly again and it is so good it still holds up so well it's so grisly and his performance is so great it's like the only non Goldblum character he's ever played is Seth Brundle
1: yeah what, what's funny is like it's not Goldblum at all it, it still is like when he's doing shit as he's like transforming there's still like just a tiny hint of Goldblum there not yeah. a lot that we get but at least a tiny hint Oh. I love it though. Oh, The Fly is one of my. It's probably one of Cronenberg's masterpieces.
0: He's another guy I've. I'm. I'm just starting to kind of branch out with. I still have a lot of Cronenberg left to see, mm-hmm. but I've watched The Brood, uh, Scanners, Videodrome, uh, History of Violence, Eastern Promises. I, I. I think Shivers is the big one I need to see still.
1: I've seen Shivers. That's a good one. Um, I've seen Shivers, Rabid uh video which i really liked the fly um i still need to see the brood that's one i'm still need to check out i've seen a good chunk of his work um in part thanks to josh uh i also want to check out his son stuff his son's starting to direct i know i watched possessor really cool film <laughs> okay i keep hearing about like dude ever since i got off this point it's been nothing but like me hearing about these movies left front i'm like god i need to just i need to go to an island and just sit down and just watch.
0: Yes, you do. Uh, I was surprised at how much I didn't like scanners. I really wanted to like scanners. I haven't but, not do scanners yet, so there's no story really. Like it's it's a horribly written script. Michael Ironside's the only saving grace of that film. Oh, okay, he is so evil. <laughs>
1: He does play evil really, really good. Like I really, that,
0: that's a film I would not mind seeing a remake of. Scanners.
1: Okay, unlike the Dead Ringers thing on Prime that's coming out.
0: Oh yeah, Dead Ringers. That's another one of his I saw. Yeah, that was okay. I don't think we need a show out of it. But uh, whatever. I don't make decisions. <laughs> I, I should, just, but I don't. I just watch what they put out if I'm interested. That's it. I. When it comes to shows, I don't – I think Hannibal is the only show I've watched that's been based off a movie, and that was really good. So, uh, oh, man, Ash vs. Evil Dead. I don't count that because that's more of a continuation, not a remake. Okay. Yeah, but I watched the hell out of that, and I missed that show very
1: much. I was very sad to hear when (laughs) season three was going to be its last.
0: Me too. We all need more Ash Williams in our life. (laughs) Groovy. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> um, Oscar winner Richard Attenborough plays John Hammond. Attenborough won two Oscars for directing and producing 1982's Gandhi. Uh, he died in 2014 at 90 years old from undisclosed causes. And he really is the you know he's the reason we like John Hammond. He's I think Richard Attenborough is incapable of playing a bad person because he's such a giddy personality, and he just brings this light. To Hammond, that makes it impossible to hate all the death and destruction he's single-handedly responsible for. <laughs> I'm talking over the course of all of these movies. It's all his fault. And uh, you just like him. You you know, you kind of want him to succeed. You kind of feel bad that his theme park didn't work. Because he really does go into it with good intentions. He wants people to see these creatures that nature has taken away from them. It's, I believe it. Yeah. Attenborough, you know, for not for being more of a producer and director, I thought Attenborough really shined in this movie.
1: Yeah, he uh, I was actually really sad when I heard about he passed away because of my me growing up with this movie and just, yeah, like you said, he brings a lot of warmth and light to this character. To the point that, like, there's that scene when they're having to go turn the breakers back on and he makes that like sexist comedy He's like, really, I, I should go because I'm a and you're a and even then you're still like okay he's just like a grandpa you know he says dumb things different times right you almost like forgive him like yeah. because <laughs> he has like said, so the interesting reality of like he can't see past his own hubris of how this is bad but at the same time he's going in with good intentions he wants people to see dinosaurs and Hugh since we've been kids doesn't want to see dinosaurs like we've heard about them it's Something that would be very cool to see. I can definitely see myself if this were to exist going to that park if I could. So you almost, yeah, you can't blame him. And when he brings his grandkids to the park, you know, he's doing it because he wants to do it for them. He wants them to see everything he's worked so hard to give
0: them. More so than that, there's a throwaway line towards the beginning of the film where the, the lawyer happens to mention that Hammond's daughter's going through a divorce. So you almost get I you add that on to the fact that his grandkids are there. And I think he's just trying to make his grandkids happy. Because clearly yeah. they're, you know, there's it's a bad time at home right now. And he wants them to smile. And that also adds more to who he is as a person.
1: Yeah. He he deep down yeah, he may not be able to see past how this is a bad idea, but he's coming out with such good intentions and wanting to do something right.
0: Scene where he's eating all the ice cream and like reflecting and he says you know i see you know we'll get it right next time like we've relied too much on automation and ellie's like are you kidding me like do you not realize that this is over there is no there's not going to be a jurassic park this is a nightmare people are dying like oh, that, <laughs> that's a great scene because yeah you see where he is still
1: trying like no we can make it work and it's like you almost like how his performance is with that scene to me works so well because it's not coming from like his egotistical scientific level. It's coming from a, he doesn't want, he wants this work. He wants to give his grandkids that joy and that wonder. And it's hurting him to see what's happening.
0: That he gave his grandkids a lifetime of PTSD and a pathological <laughs> fear of dinosaurs. <laughs>
1: And for Tim doing anything, because dear God, that poor kid gets abused
0: throughout this movie. That kid gets so many hits to the heart. I mean, the after getting electrocuted and coming back to life, he's got you know he's being chased by raptors. That kid is going to have a heart attack by the time he hits like nineteen years old. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I look. Like, I like the scene when the the, the car goes over and he's in the tree, and Grant's trying to get him out. And he's like, I threw up. And like as someone that's older, I was like, "Oh, poor kid!" Like,
0: but as a kid, you know, he's trying to rationalize like, "I don't know what to do, so I'm gonna stay here." Yeah, like I don't want to leave the car. Yeah, the car is safety. It and did not. It's, I found myself with this most recent watch, kind of laughing at just how many times these kids are put into like severe danger. <laughs> And how Hammond's just still like, we'll get it right next time. Like, this is a minor setback. Like, no, bro. Like, your grandkids were almost raptor chow. Like, it's time to to back up.
1: Especially Tim. You really need to look at Tim after this because he needs some help. I I always laugh now more so than ever when how uh, Loma Dern keeps getting the kids near Grant because he doesn't want kids, so she keeps finding ways to keep getting them together. And just that relationship throughout the movie cracks me up every time. He's like, I, hey, love where- that it,
0: I love that it didn't work because we go to Jurassic Park 3 and they've broken up and she has a kid and he's Lonely Dinosaur Man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I do love what car are you riding in? Which am sure you're in. And as the kid start, to shuts the door.
0: <laughs> and the girls there are like, Laura Dern said it'd be good for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Jesus, I, I think it would have been cool if Chris Pratt's character in Jurassic World had been Tim.
1: Oh, they should have. I keep hoping that they will find a way to bring those characters back. And they haven't done that for some reason.
0: Considering Dominion's bringing back the big three, I wouldn't be surprised if they finally do come back in that movie. Oh, yeah,
1: they just haven't said anything.
0: I mean, Probably won't be the same actors, but. Well, I mean, yeah. Obviously, I don't think they're doing anything else kids don't tend to have a career in hollywood they're one and done most of the time
1: yeah and unfortunately it kind of speaks to the hollywood system more than anything
0: yep everyone is disposable unless you can put asses in seats <laughs> and even then you're still kind of disposable yeah <laughs> uh bob peck plays robert Muldoon, the great white hunter Despite appearing like a badass, he is immediately dispatched by raptors as soon as he tries to hunt one. He is the Boba Fett of the Jurassic Park <laughs> franchise.
1: You know uh, what? He, he rocks it, though. <laughs> he, he comes build in, up buildup of,
0: you know. like, you know, I know raptors like nobody. Like, they, they remember. They're intelligent creatures. And then as soon as he hunts one in the wild, he is dispatched within a second. And it, like, come on, bro. Like, you should know how to handle raptors. if You are the guy hired to handle the raptors. He does say that awesome line when,
1: like, the raptor pokes his head out and he's like, clever gore. And it just lunges at him.
0: It's munching on his head. It's clever girl is a nice line, but <laughs> I thought postal weight in the second one, much more competent hunter yeah he was um Wayne Knight plays disgruntled hacker Dennis Nedry (laughs) Knight is known for playing Newman the evil mailman on Seinfeld and the incompetent officer Don on third rock from the sun and um, he's kind of been riding the Newman wave uh ever since even in this movie I just keep thinking you know when he opens the the embryos I'm just like Newman (laughs) god damn it (laughs) I've always liked him. He's always made me laugh. I've always enjoyed his work. I, I, I like the actor. It's just, I, I, I don't know, as I've gotten old, his
1: character bugs me more and more in the movie. He's oh, a
0: piece of shit, straight up.
1: He, he is really
0: like the root cause of the entire problem. Yeah, but you know why? Because Hammond put everything in this park in the hands of one disgruntled IT guy. Don't do that, ever. (laughs)
1: Checks and balances, Hammond. Checks and balances.
0: Yeah, nobody is gonna, you know, looking at a backup on this. You're just letting the guy you are openly not paying enough and like bragging about it run the whole park, (laughs) and you think that's not gonna bite you in the ass? (laughs) Hubris. See the magic road. Uh uh uh. I love that Sam Jackson's just randomly in this too. Like he's just, you know, the guy always smoking a cigarette who gets killed off screen.
1: Yeah, I I forget he's in here. and I'm like, hey, Sammy, Samuel Jackson.
0: Under your butts. Like, nope. I don't mean, know. Well, this is like a year before Pulp Fiction, so he wasn't really, you know, huge yet.
1: He's still so good in this, though. Like when that whole, like, see the Magic Road, uh, uh uh, he's like, bitch, please.
0: I hate this hacker crap. It's so well constructed. Like this, the, the idea that this park is so state-of-the-art that it's all automated and so easy to fail. Like Nedry manages to, you know, cr- it really is kind of a perfect storm of horrific circumstances. You know, this, the tropical storm and Nedry getting paid off and his grandkids being there. It all just, you know, combines into this nightmare. It's so well written. You know, I don't think the script gets enough love here. You know, Michael Crichton and David Kapp did a fucking great job. Yeah, no, they would. would I mean? I'm sure
1: they obviously changed things. But Spielberg won't be like, "Hey, let's make this PG-13 at least," which is fine. But they did a yeah, fantastic job of making this really like everything happens organically, logically. You know, like he, he's trying to get people to come see the park. He gets people obviously like scientists, obviously his grandkids. Again, the, that third line with the divorce. So, yeah, obviously, yeah, I mean, my grandkids, let them see the dinosaurs. kind of get their mind off what's going on at home right now? And then it all goes to shit.
0: In the worst way. It's so good. I just, you know, I keep thinking about Westworld and just, God, I wonder what happened to Michael Crichton in a theme park that made him think, like, I hate theme parks and they are deadly and I'm going to keep writing about them. <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to find out. But he's dead. I can't interview him.
1: What if like he gets asked? He just freaks out like you do about Twin Peaks.
0: (laughs) What if it's something so small, like so ridiculously like he got his picture taken at like the log ride at Disney World and his eyes were closed and it wouldn't let him go back on? Like, what if it's that, like just something that stupid?
1: (laughs) What if the key is in the parts of the Caribbean line? What if it was the like Pirates of the Caribbean ride?
0: One of the pirates was some psychopath who tried to eat him. <laughs> I I hope so. That's what I'm going to believe from now on. Oh, boy. That's great. Um, Jurassic Park has an IMDb score of 8.1, Rotten Tomatoes score of 91%, and has to date grossed $1.033 billion on a $63 million budget. Because every re-release, this gets another like hundred million dollars. Because people fucking love this movie.
1: Oh, dude! If I ever get a chance, if they put it in theater. If they were put it in theaters again, I will be there to see this on the theater.
0: Oh my! Oh, I would be having the biggest nerdgasm. Dude, compensate down here. Um, there haven't been a lot of you know new releases, so a lot of theaters down here have been playing like beloved movies, and Jurassic Park has been a mainstay.
1: Oh hell yeah! This is a movie that, to me, will never go away. Like I said, it, it absolutely speaks to both the awe and just amazement, and then that terror and thrill ride suspense seamlessly.
0: Oh, hell yeah, man. It spawned four sequels with one in the works, an animated Netflix series, countless video games. It won three Oscars, Best Sound, Best Sound Editing, and Best Visual Effects. So, I mean, no one's taking visual effects away from Stan, the man, Winston. That guy was the fucking boss when it came to visual effects. Uh, I I was watching Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments and this was in there. This was number like 93, which, (laughs) and um, Stan Winston was interviewed and he said, my team did not make scary dinosaurs. My team made real dinosaurs. I'm like, fuck yeah, you did Stan, way to go.
1: (laughs) Oh. No, they look, like I said, you know, watching it since I was a kid on VHS to now on a 4K TV, right? With the Blu ray, it still looks amazing. Like it, the puppet, the puppetry, the, the fuzzy CGI shots they put in, like it still looks amazing. And I still fall for the, the illusion, the trick. And I know how they did it. I've seen the behind the scenes, I've studied every minute detail of this movie but I still get lost when I watch it. It's so hard not to, to me.
0: I agree, man, for sure. So, let's talk about the film itself, some highlights, stuff we love about Jurassic Park, and some stuff we don't like. Um, I, for one, think the smartest thing this film does is build up the raptors. Uh, From the beginning, we get to know, you know, how they hunt, how smart they were, what they're capable of. And as the film progresses, you know, we hear grant Here, you know, you bred raptors. Like he's afraid, and we see the raptor fence and uh, Muldoon's just like, you know, they were testing for weaknesses. They remember things, like they have problem solving intelligence. Like, just we're just led to believe that these things are smart, deadly, and frightening, and they do not disappoint when they finally show up. <laughs> Jesus Christ!
1: Oh yeah, the whole raptor buildup is amazing. Like in that scene when they're he's telling them about the raptors. Well, I, okay, so let's actually go back to like to the beginning with that little kid and he finds the little claw and he's like telling him how they kill not only is that a really funny scene with that (laughs) kid but like that's your first like real knowledge you're getting about the raptor like that's the first beginning of the reveal is like you're learning how they use their claws to get you and then with that scene at the paddock you have it where you don't even see them you just see the, the cow I think yeah, the cow gets lowered in and you just hear the noises and you see the rustling of the trees and that's it. You don't see a fucking thing.
0: And it's it's scary. It's actually a little scary. You're like, what
1: the fuck is in there?
0: Really? And you know, before this film came out, the Velociraptor was not a very popularly known dinosaur. Like it was, you know, the paleontology community knew about it, but like mainstream people knew like T-Rex, Triceratops, Stegosaurus. Like this was not a very well-known dinosaur. Now it's the only one people talk about. it's it's insane and it is freaky i I love this the part where he's talking to the kid and he talks about how you know you connect eyes with the raptor and then the attack comes and it's from the two you didn't even know were there like that is scary and we see that happen with Muldoon. it's mm, brilliant script man yeah he connects eyes with that
1: one before and just sitting there too is the best part it's just like sitting there lounging and he's getting ready to take the shot and the way that the the camera shot and everything about the scene is just perfect to me. And it just shows the side of Muldoon and you just see the Raptor launch his head out at him. And it kind of, if you don't know it's coming, it's actually a little bit, of, it's kind of a good jump
0: scare. Cause you're like, Oh fuck. The Raptor that was in the control room after Ellie turns the power back on, I'd forgotten about that, that scare. And that one, got me last night. <laughs>
1: that is a really good scene. How that thing pops out. She's all like, Oh, we turn it on. That Raptor just fucking pops out to ruin her day
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love the theory that the rude kid at the beginning grows up to be chris pratt's character in jurassic world it's been disproven but i like to think that you know kid got a little respect for raptors and then yeah yeah i also love with the
1: raptors if we're talking those really two very distinct attack scenes i love in this movie a lot um and that whole raptor end scene is amazing especially when they're in the kitchen (laughs) Having to sneak around it, I watching it the last two last night, two nights ago. Uh, I was still getting tense. I've seen this movie hundreds of times, and I still got tense during that scene. It's such a great scene.
0: That's a mark of a great movie when you've seen it a hundred times and you can still get like you know chills a little bit.
1: Oh, yeah. When she's sitting there trying to pull that thing down, I was so sitting there going, pull it down, pull it down.
0: <laughs> uh, I always laugh when we meet Dennis for the first time, and that guy shows up with the you know hat and sunglasses, and he's like, Don't use my name. And then he just goes like Dodson, it's Dodson, we got Dodson here. <laughs> it's like no one cares. <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> that like whole scene right there is done really well too. You know, we know that Dennis works for Jurassic Park. We know he's disgruntled. We know he's being paid off to sneak embryos, and we get kind of everything we need to know about him there. I love when he's you know the bill comes and he just looks at Dotson like, "Don't get cheap on me now." (laughs) They pay for his fucking breakfast. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, that and then that goes to
1: like the really great script we were talking about. Like the way they don't spend a lot of time over-explaining characters, over-explaining events. It's like. They they pace it really well and write it really well, where you get to know Dennis in that one scene and the essentially the start of the whole disaster. And you know, as I mean, Chris, you're seeing that, but again, the this way expert ride comes in, they do such
0: a great job of distracting you with that awe that you almost kind of forget it until it has you like, oh wait, shit. That's right. Yeah, like Dennis doesn't show up again until like he's in the seat at Parked, complaining to Hammond about how he's not getting paid enough. That's that's done so well. Um, I don't know if you noticed this. I I found this out. Um, Nedry's entire wardrobe reflects the Goonies. I didn't notice that. When we first meet him, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, like Chunk. When we meet him again, uh, when he's complaining to Hammond, he's wearing Mouth's gray jacket. And then when he gets eaten by the like frilled lizard dinosaur. He's wearing Mikey's yellow rain jacket. <laughs> he's he's wearing the Goonies outfits the whole movie. <laughs> I didn't know that. I don't know why. I mean, Spielberg produced the Goonies, so maybe it was like a little shout-out, but kind of neat. That is cool. Okay. I didn't know that. Cool. My one real beef with the movie, and this really is more a beef on the lost world. We never really know who Dodson is, who he works for, or where you know, what that Barbasol was, like, if it was ever discovered. It's hinted at that it's going to be, but it never comes up again.
1: Yeah, that's honestly, like, that is one thing I noticed. And it's kind of like a flaw to me with the entire series that the bad guys, per se, aren't ever really fleshed out. Like, they keep trying. They try in Lost Ward. They kind of let it go in Trask Park 3, and then they fire it up again in Trask Ward. It's not really done well. It's like, okay – you have this company that wants to essentially use them for different reasons. They're more nefarious than what Hammond wants. All right. It kind of to me is like really lackluster and not as exciting as everything else happening in the movie.
0: I agree. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, what else we got here? So the scene where Hammond uh, introduces the ride, uh, like the DNA ride, and he's like talking to himself on screen Is he expecting to be present at every single ride on the park? Like Is he never leaving this place? He's living there. He has a tent living amongst the dinosaurs. I mean, this is a dinosaur park. Like, if this worked, as we see in Jurassic World, this place is packed 24-7. This is the coolest theme park in the world. Hammond would have to be there for every single ride for that to make sense. I've been to Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and there's a similar ride that just shows you how they make chocolate and that is always packed this is dinosaurs way more interesting than chocolate (laughs) that's gonna be a full job right there just showing up and getting fake poked i i I feel like
1: that scene is a victim of a lot of '90s phone with the birth of like technology and the way it was happening at that time with computers and shit and i really feel like that was just a scene to be like look what we can do with technology nowadays And so they're thinking, would a guy who has this same park expecting a huge turnout really have the time to do this and still run the park? Because he's the
0: CEO, essentially. You ever get the vibe that he's not really in charge here, though? Like, he made the park, but like the lawyer seems to be, you know, he represents the investors. And that's a a very vague group of people we don't hear a lot about.
1: It feels a lot like... One of those cases where he made it, but he has to do with the show, the uh, shareholders.
0: He created the park, but InGen owns the science.
1: Yeah, and they probably want him out because he's obviously wanting to do it for a different reason. They want to do it.
0: Well, he also wants to make the park available to everybody, and Lawyer wants to charge 10000 bucks a ticket.
1: <laughs> that was such, like, I remember watching this going, hmm, sounds a lot like Disney, Doing something like that, yeah. Coupon day. I'm like, yeah. Well, when he said, it, I was like, really? You're going to charge that much? He goes, only the elite. I'm like, oh god, why? Why should only the rich be able to see
0: this? We need Hammond. You know, he's supposed to be kind of like a dark Walt Disney, and I get that. Um, you think this? Like, I love the science of you know ancient mosquitoes discovered preserved in amber and they extract the ancient blood and have DNA. Like, do you think that in the, like, you know, in the next hundred years or so, something like this might be possible? I do actually. I think
1: I was reading some that they were trying to base a lot of this off a possibility of this being a route to take. Um, I've read various and stuff always pops up about like, could we actually be close to, you know, having a real life Jurassic Park? Um I think it's possible. Um, I think that actually kind of speaks to one of the same powers of the movie is that it's science to me isn't exactly out of the realm of possibility. I think, you know, along with the theme of like, you know, with that theme of like us always wanting to play God. And I can see one day, yeah, maybe not in our lifetime. Because if it's anything like how this movie series is gone, don't let this happen in my lifetime. I can see where, yeah, maybe we would be able to bring dinosaurs back or someone like Hammond would try to do something like a Jurassic Park.
0: Well, Michael Crichton had a medical training and scientific background, so a lot of his novels are very scientifically accurate, you know, mm-hmm. Andromeda Strain, Congo, Timeline. So it makes me think, like, I don't know, maybe, you know, if he knew what he was talking about. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, in the next five years or so we're going to have velociraptors, but in, you know, 100 years, we might be able to clone extinct species. Mm-hmm. Which,
1: yeah, depending on what we decide to do with that, could be good or
0: bad. Yeah, I. Every time I see, you know, an article about, uh, you know, we've like we're considering cloning ancient animals. Somebody always posts like, I can think of five movies that explain why that's a bad idea. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, anyone's like, hey, we can bring dinosaurs bring Like, has no one watched any of the Jurassic Park movies? Have we not learned that lesson? That and like, whenever somebody says like, you know. US military considering automating defense systems. I'm like, have you not seen the six Terminator movies? Like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> no, it's we don't learn, or you know, people in charge don't watch movies. <laughs> uh, I, I can't say it
1: on podcasts podcast <laughs> when
0: it comes to that. On yeah. how I feel. <laughs> we hear you know, we the first half of this movie is very cheerful, very upbeat, and as soon as the park fails and the T-Rex shows up, that's kind of the moment where everything goes really dark, literally and figuratively. Like darkness ascends, the park shuts down, dinos are coming.
1: And that's actually, I'm saying that's actually my favorite scene to this day. That T-Rex scene is my favorite scene.
0: it's, (laughs) It's creepy. It's executed so well. It's built up so well, just a little flick of the cup of water. Like, yeah, you're freaked out. It's perfect.
1: The flick, and then like he has the night vision goggles, which I love that. Hey, are those heavy? Yeah, and they're expensive. Put them off. <laughs> and he's just like looking, off, and he's like, hey, they don't see the goat anymore, and then that shot when she's like, where's the goat? <laughs> you're like, I remember when I was a kid, that scene, you no know matter how many times I watched it, would make me fucking jump. Because it comes out of nowhere, and you just – you don't even see the two experts. You just see the claw against the fence, and you're like, oh, shit. And, guy that scene, when that day Rick comes out and lets out that war, I am I'm so happy. I get a smile on my face every time I see that scene, like every single time.
0: It's a little off topic, but I just realized that Martin Ferrera, the guy who plays the lawyer – is the guy in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles who gives Steve Martin a room in exchange for $17 and a good watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just realized, I knew I knew that face from somewhere, and it's the guy who's like, you got $17 and a good watch. It's so creepy. It's like, I have $2 and a Casio. But uh, anyway, yeah. And he just, you know, fucking takes off and leaves the kids there, hides the bathroom. Solid citizen right there.
1: Oh yeah. I do like when Jeff Goldblum, when they're trying to see out there and he uh Sandel looks out and then Jeff like wipes the window because his is all fogged up and he like does the fucking flare and just bolts to get the T-Rex away. And then like yeah, the fucking the bathroom breaks, and then he's just sitting there on the toilet and the T-Rex just looks at him.
0: And I'm like, Oh, you're fucked. You ran away. Leave kids to die like that, bro. This is a this is a movie. You're gonna get yours.
1: Oh, yeah. I love Lex. He ran away. He ran away.
0: Um, (laughs) I always hate when Malcolm does that, though, because it looks like the T-Rex is going to go back in the paddock. But then Malcolm's like, hey! (laughs) "Mm." It does because, yeah, you see him throw it and you see the T-Rex is clearly
1: like, oh, I'm going to go see what that is. And then Malcolm's like, I'm just going to keep running. And I'm like, no, he's the T Rex is leaving. If anything is going to fall, because apparently
0: elevation changed
1: dramatically.
0: I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, it's that's really weird plot hole. It's a plot <laughs>
1: hole that like I know it, it's it's in point out ad nauseum, and I still
0: ignore it. I'm like, all right, yeah. It's a rainy day. Yeah, I guess you know, maybe the dirt in Jurassic Park is all quicksand. And it just sunk real quick. <laughs> Amazingly quick. Like, ridiculous, like 100 feet in an hour. <laughs> if that. God.
1: Oh, when uh, Grant gets uh, Alexa out of the car and she does that scream and he's like, don't move. And that T-Rex is like right fucking there in front of their face. Well, that is tense. That is a tense scene.
0: When it snorts and his hat, his hat flies off, you feel like that fucker's right there. Like, that's a living, breathing thing in front of him right now. Yeah. and Winston outdid himself. Beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, that scene's great. Um, I think my favorite scene is probably when Dennis gets eaten by the Dilophosaurus. I mean, What's that's just... Get stick, stupid. Get the stick. <laughs> I love that the thing doesn't attack him because he's got the hood up and the thing thinks he's a bigger predator. But then the day the hood drops and he's like, oh nope, it's lunch. And just rah, that thing that thing scared me more than anything else when I was a kid. The furled lizard that just goes. Rah, like, fuck man, how do you not
1: freak out? That is a straight up horror scene. Like it spits and then like they even film it when he can't get into the car because he bumps his head. Because he does the stupid horror movie moment where instead of just getting in the car, he looks back at it like, is it still there? And then he gets sprayed in the face and says, like, yeah, it's still there. It just hits you directly in the
0: face. And then he gets in the car and it's just sitting there looking at him. I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. At first, he gets that black sludge blasted into his eyes and he's just screaming. And you could feel that, man. His performance in that scene is so good. You feel the pain and the terror. But also, you're like, yeah, you deserve this. <laughs> you kind of had this coming, buddy. Yeah, you suck. <laughs> and then he gets eaten by the one in the car that was just waiting there quietly for him. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he left the door open in the rain. Who does that?
1: And that's why I don't ever leave my doors open.
0: That. That's why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was why. I'm fairly certain that won't happen to you. <laughs> if it does, well, that's on me then. <laughs> we want to find a way to make this happen so so I can prove a point now. At your funeral, like I never would have thought he'd been eaten by a dinosaur, but wow.
1: <laughs> that's my eulogy. Like and then, like, then just like an anchorman too, I'll pop out and be like, Yeah, I was just kidding, I'm not dead.
0: <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah dennis that scene in the book is so much more vicious i mean like freaky vicious like the black sludge he can feel it melting his eyeballs
1: oh god like,
0: and then the thing in the car like rips his guts open and starts eating him while he's still alive <laughs> and he feels it and he's yeah it's 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 bad It's yeah, the book's a straight-up horror novel, and I, I don't think a lot of people know that. Dear God. I
1: Dear God. uh another scene I really I like a lot is uh, T-Rex round two, as I like to call it, when they get a uh, Goldblum's character and you just send the car and they do it again, the little sound, and you see the wall move, and he's just must go faster, must go faster.
0: I love that he said that again in Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a great scene. Um, the, <laughs> the scene with the fence always makes me laugh because Dr. Grant is really kind of an asshole. And when he just grabs the fence and is like, Aah! and scares the shit out of those kids, like they haven't been through enough. <laughs> just read the room, Alan. Come on.
1: He, they've established he doesn't want kids and it's shown numerous times. Yet he gets these kids to safety. He does a really good...
0: He Good does. job, in safety. He does, you know, except when he lets Tim get violently electrocuted. <laughs> and his, he really sucked up. He was
1: like, all right, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. I'm like, you didn't give him any, like, moment there. You just went straight into the countdown. And he's terrified, dude.
0: I'm up there and grab him. Be, a, be an adult. Be a grown up. Like, <sighs> oh. And then Tim takes 10,000 volts. Like, d- he dies, and he comes back. The fact that he still lived, I'm like, what the fuck? That kid, like, I just, you know, with that and the raptor attack, I, I don't see him making it to 20. I just don't. I think he's going to have just a massive cardiac event.
1: <laughs> he, well, and then you get the T-Rex scene, and then when they get out of the car finally, and then the car comes down with them.
0: Which I love that line. Hey, we made it out. Of well, you know, at least we're back in the car. And you're forgetting the most embarrassing moment of all this. Tim threw up. <laughs> and you can't just walk away from something like that. I... His friends are going to find out.
1: <laughs> Being the age I am now. I remember when he said that line. Something about it hit me a little bit harder. Because it was like just a childish moment of like. I threw up like you just got attacked by a T-Rex and you're embarrassing when I was like you threw up in a car that got launched over the paddock he didn't
0: shit his pants like that (laughs) is the most terrifying thing that has happened to him thus far but not the most terrifying thing that's going to happen to him
1: (laughs) and his whole thing his whole thing was I threw up like it's all right, Tim let's just get you out of the car so we can go
0: I love that Grant's like, God, Tim. I'm not going to tell anyone he threw up. Just come on, <laughs> like he's tired. He's already done. <laughs> just get out of the car. Come on, such a terrible parent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so when um after Ellie puts the power back on, uh, Sam Jackson has disappeared, and she just kind of finds his arm like dangling somewhere, and it always makes me think. Did the Raptors stash his arm back there for, like, dramatic effect? Deep down,
1: they're just moving things around. Just to be like, <laughs> all right, she's going to go over there. And then when she does, she's going to grab the arm. And then that's when I pop out.
0: I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, these fuckers have, like, you know, they're very smart. We learned throughout the franchise just how smart they are. I, I wouldn't put this past them. Like, just to enhance the fear, I can see them doing that.
1: But yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, you know what's funny? In this entire like series, talking about the whole series, my favorite, all time favorite raptor scene is actually in the second movie. The tall grass scene.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. You, yeah, i get the overhead shot when they're all you see it and then they're that's, just watching out.
0: That's terrifying. Yeah, that's a great scene. <laughs>
1: yeah, that like don't get me wrong, like there's a lot of great scenes with them in this movie. But that is probably my favorite moment with Raptors is in the second one.
0: I think it's because at that point you've had the first movie's worth of buildup on the Raptors, so you know what's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah! Um, in the final scene when the t- when the T Rex shows up, I always wonder like, how did he get in there without anyone noticing? Like, it's a shock when he just grabs the raptor, and everyone's like, "What T Rex? That is a twenty ton animal. There's no way." It's just Sneaking up on you. It's a torn animal that had two scenes where we heard him stopping
1: and water moving, but then he just like opens the door and like stilts in there. Like it's like has (laughs) tiptoes. He's like a teenager that gets home and doesn't want the parents to know that you just had a night out drinking. So he's like tiptoeing through the thing, like they don't see me. It's okay. I'll make it.
0: (laughs) It is weird that he you know, T-Rex shows up and starts, you know, fucking up the rafters almost like you know, he's telling Doctor Grant like, "Get out! I've got this.
1: <laughs> I tried to kill you earlier, but you can go now.
0: No hard feelings, right?" <laughs> like it's ridiculous.
1: Um. <laughs> we also about how the fact that every time you think the characters are like safe, right, like uh, at the the gate scene when they're trying to climb the fence, sorry, and <laughs> they have the T Rex roar in the background, like this constant reminder that he's out there. <laughs>
0: It's great. I'm way more freaked out by the. I feel like I could get away from the T-Rex, but those Raptors, they're gonna get me.
1: Yeah. Well, the T-Rex even say it like, "Don't move." So as long as you don't shit yourself and you can just stand still, you have a chance. I don't know
0: if I could do it. I'd I'd be shaking too much that he would see me.
1: Yeah. I, I. You could always hide too. He's big enough. You just get into the building and hide.
0: Creepy, creepy, creepy stuff. Uh, anything else you'd like to add about Jurassic Park?
1: Oh man, God!
0: I mean, we didn't talk that much about Goldblum's sexy pose when he's like healing and he's just like posing for Playgirl over there. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> mean one of the most moments of the movie.
0: Have you seen you know that GIF of Doctor of A- Doctor Grant like on his belly as it rises and falls? Have you seen that that GIF? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look. That was prime 90s gold Oh, yeah. You had to have a scene like that.
0: <laughs> he's, yeah. Yeah, I agree. No complaints here. I just think it's funny that he's just like got his leg fucked up by a T Rex and that's his heel. It's like his heel pose.
1: Let me just put my leg in a nice pose. Shirt unbuttoned. Do that. If I did that, people would just be grossed out because I'm not in shape. Just a little bit like like little pooch coming out, like you like it? But Goldblum, he can pull it off. <laughs> In his all-black rock scientist attire.
0: His whole character is like designed for Jeff Goldblum. Like the whole idea of a chaotician who dresses like a rock star and just like laughs his way through everything. Who else do you cast? <laughs> Uh, Here are some guys and facts about Jurassic Park. Number one, Harrison Ford was offered and turned down the role of Dr. Grant as he felt the part just wasn't right for him. After seeing the movie, he says that he had made the right decision. Like, billion-dollar box office, and he's like, yeah, I didn't want any part of that one. (laughs) A sour old man. (laughs) But, um, yeah, you can tell that Dr. Grant was written for Harrison Ford. I mean, he even wears Indiana Jones fucking hat.
1: Oh yeah, he does.
0: it's so he does. clearly for Indiana Jones.
1: It it works though. I'm kind of I'm glad he didn't do it.
0: I agree. Well, you know, if he had, we wouldn't have gotten the fugitive. So there we go.
1: Yeah, and I, he probably won't be as willing to come back for this Domin, the Dominion sequel like Sam Neill is.
0: Nobody hates franchises more than Harrison Ford. It's amazing. <sighs> I don't get it. Like he just despises playing a character more than once.
1: But he's done it twice.
0: He's done it many times. I mean, Blade Runner, uh, Jack oh. Ryan. Uh, he's done it a couple times. He just bitches the whole time. <laughs> God, he's a
1: grumpy old man.
0: He has been since the 80s. It's crazy. Uh, number two, there are only 15 minutes of dinosaur footage in the whole movie. Nine minutes are Stan Winston's animatronics, and six minutes is industrial lights and magic. That's crazy. There's only 15 minutes worth of dinosaur in this movie. I, I've noticed that as I got on, I'm like, wow, there isn't as much
1: dinosaurs in this movie as I remember, but it still works. So you use sparingly enough that it works when you do see them because it, it feels like a moment. It feels like a, oh, okay, cool, the dinosaurs are on screen again because well, of you so sparingly.
0: Well, I think it's, you know, Spielberg learned his lesson with Jaws. Less is more. You know? And it works for Jurassic Park. If he hadn't learned that lesson, I wonder what his career would have been like because he needed to learn that lesson.
1: He Yeah, he learned, and then he kind of gave us more in the second movie, so.
0: Number two, three, Steven Spielberg made $250 million from this movie, the largest sum any individual has made from a single movie, because he took director's salary and percentage points, and he went home with, like, enough money to swim in. <laughs>
1: considering it does so well when they re-release it he's probably still making money off this movie
0: Uh, that plus a few of the sequels have been over a billion dollars like he doesn't need to work anymore he just does it because he loves doing it oh yeah (laughs) number four in return to jurassic park a two-hour making of documentary released for blu-ray Steven Spielberg admits that the shot of the Barbasol can falling away from Nedry and being covered in mud was intentionally inserted to set up a potential sequel. It was not until Michael Crichton released his second book, the lost world where Spielberg then realized the story would go in a different direction. So the lost world had not yet been written when Jurassic park came out. So he was hoping for a sequel that way, but lost world came out and he thought, all right, that's where we're going. But that means no reason you couldn't come back with part three and, they find the barbasol. I don't know. There's been five of these things. <laughs> Still no yeah. barbasol. Yeah. I get
1: it with the sequel because of the book, but there was three more sequels after that with a new one on the way. You don't wanna don't want to talk about. It. Not even a throwaway line, maybe.
0: I mean it's also been like 30 years. Those embryos are dead.
1: Oh yeah. And they got covered in that mud crap. So
0: dinosaurs aren't special to the world anymore. So there's no real reason to make new ones.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's pointless. Yeah, it's (laughs) busy making like weird hybrids in the the Jurassic World series.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they're going to finally go through with that original idea of dinosaur man hybrids.
1: Don't. For the love of God, don't.
0: You don't think the series has jumped the shark yet?
1: Surprisingly, no. (laughs) Well, wait, wait alan so
0: you got to say it like that alan, alan.
1: <laughs> look you already did that to me i do not want what i saw because i saw the concepts art for that no i don't want it
0: let's talk about the sequels first up the lost world jurassic park from 1997 and i don't like when they put like when they reverse it you know the Lost World first. It should be Jurassic Park, The Lost World. I don't know why that happens. You know, Damien, Omen 2. I hate that shit.
1: <laughs> I don't like the title all much. Um, I know a lot of people don't like this sequel. This is a case of nostalgia when it comes to the sequel. Because like I told you at the beginning, I pretty much like was watching the, the Trash park and then this one constantly as a kid so there's a nostalgia factor for me i actually will defend it i think it's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be um it has a lot of good stuff in it it does go in a lot more of a horror direction than the first one does so
0: i agree i think it it's just i have my own issues with it i think that for spielberg and williams to both kind of lazy like lays it up it kind of sucks feel um Goldblum's entire character is completely different from the Me at B and Malcolm we knew in Jurassic Park. He's a lot less, you know, laffy taffy, a lot more, you know, rigid. But that could be just because he's, you know, dealt with some trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like the whole idea of, you know, Hammond's nephew trying to take the company away and starting his own Jurassic Park and stealing the dinosaurs and T-Rex loose in San Diego. I thought that was a cool... I like it more than I don't like it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I see the complaints with it, because yeah, they do tone down go bloom. Um again, they go on a much darker route than what p- p- people probably wanted. Um, but there's a lot of like there's so many great moments in that film I like. Um, from Vince Vaughn's character in one of his earlier roles to the whole again, the T attack scene is really awesome in that movie.
0: With yeah, the, with the uh with the with the like medical lab dangling over the cliff. Yeah, that yeah. was
1: that is an amazing idol of that scene. Again, I mean, what I mentioned earlier, that raptor in the tall grass scene is really good. Um, and then the uh, yeah, the T-Rex attacking San Diego is still an awesome scene to watch.
0: I think that the characters make some questionable decisions in that. Like Julianne Moore being a dinosaur expert should know you don't just steal a T-Rex's baby. <laughs> and- um, Goldblum's daughter defeating the raptors with gymnastics I thought was stupid. <laughs> That's up. the ultimate one for me is when the T Rex is, is walking down a street in San Diego, and you see a group of Asian businessmen screaming. That was a bit much. Yeah, Spielberg seems above that. <laughs> yeah, like
1: I said, like there is a lot, and there is things I see that are wrong with this, but I do pop it in a lot right after the first one for that nostalgia. And for, like, at least the standout scenes that do exist in that movie. Um,
0: 2001, Jurassic Park 3. Pretty much the most reviled of the franchise. Um, it's not a terrible watch. It just compared to what came before. It's garbage. And it really doesn't have a third act. It kind of just stops, which is really weird for a movie like this. It's only, like, an hour 20. Like, it's super short. Um just kind of shows up with like the army about to take on dinosaurs and then we don't get to see that which is yeah.
1: Lame. I remember when it came out I kept watching the trailers. I was really excited I was like oh my god trash park three and I rented it I think from the video store in Blanco that's that's the store's not there anymore but when it was a video store uh we rented it and I remember being like I probably the most excited because again at that point my parents were probably pretty fed up with seeing the first two on loop. Um, and I remember watching it, and all of us at the end just kind of didn't say anything, just took it out, just kind of walked away.
0: It was like, all right, I this was the only one I had on tape as a kid, and um, this is the earliest movie I remember going to see at the theaters. Uh, I was six and this was like a couple months before Evolution, which I still have very ingrained in my head. And um, I saw it with my dad, and I remember thinking this is boring. And then the t- the uh, pterodactyls in the birdcage scene happened, and I remember thinking that was that was really cool. That was done really well. That was creepy. That was exciting. And then I remember thinking, oh, the movie's over. <laughs> okay, I guess I guess we're going home now. Like <laughs> it was just it just stopped. And yeah, that was yeah. such a weird decision. <laughs> it, it just ends. And didn't the
1: pterodactyl scene, as great as that scene is, it's infuriating. You're like, oh, here's a really awesome scene. Okay, what about the rest of the movie? <laughs>
0: um, I thought the raptors looked weird. Uh, I don't know why they had like fins now or something.
1: I think I read they were trying to make them more accurate to how raptors actually, because it's kind of a known fact that raptors had feathers and Spielberg took that out of the movie because it would look stupid. But well, You I know what? It's Spielberg. also
0: not factual. Fucking dinosaurs in the 21st century. <laughs> so, I don't think it matters what they look like.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of side with Spielberg. Like, if you're making a movie where dinosaurs are getting brought back to life in modern times, like, okay, yeah, you can have some liberties with how they look. I, they don't need to look period accurate. Uh, they're
0: dead, so... <laughs> Also, all we ever find is fucking bones. How do we know what they looked like? Um, I'm not a paleontologist, so. I don't care. <laughs> um, I think it's, a, you know, I liked seeing uh, Dr. Grant now having to reconcile with the fact that dinosaurs exist and his, you know, line of work might be obsolete. Uh, him kind of having you know being stuck in the past ellie's moved on and has a husband and son, and he's just kind of stuck doing the same thing he's always done except now with this constant shadow of jurassic park looming over his shoulder i wish that had been further explored i like that idea i'm sure it will be in the new one mm-hmm. um i thought william h macy and tay hold that old thing i did not like them for the way they manipulated grant into going to that island uh and the spinosaurus uh Unnecessary,
1: yeah. I, you know, like it. I remember being a kid and thought the Spinosaurus was cool, but then I got older and I rewatched so it. Like, I watch this and I rewatched it. and I'm like, that's it, useless. And I actually really don't like the scene when having the T Rex fight and it kills the T Rex. I'm like, what are you trying to prove that this is gonna be better than the T? No, I want the T Rex.
0: But then Jurassic World, you know, gets back at that one when the T Rex slams through the Spinosaurus skeleton is like i'm back bitches <laughs> it worked <laughs> indominus rex my ass like let's take this yeah it was great jurassic world 2015 uh long-awaited quasi reboot sequel thing uh pretty good i think jurassic world's not
1: bad i actually uh i can actually like nostalgia side with lost world, this is my second favorite film in the franchise as like a as a movie without any nostalgia basis, this is my second favorite. I remember being seeing the trailer for it, and they were playing that theme music, and I was like, "They kidding me?" Came back, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I remember I think I was it was one of those cases where I remember dragging. I think my mom, she was the only one at home. I was like, "You're coming with me." To the <laughs> theater, and I was like the oldest kid in there. I was because I was in my twenties, or I was like twenty. 2015, yeah, I was like early mid 20s, so I'm just sitting there like, Oh my god, guys, we're about to watch Rexcord. World. we're going to see dinosaurs again on the big screen this time, let's do it. And for the most part, it I thought they did a really awesome job with it. I actually thought Indominus Rex was a really cool um dinosaur, and the ideal of splicing genes together to create new dinosaurs actually it was a really cool concept that I thought they explored. Uh, really running a smart way to go with it.
0: It made sense, you know, when a theme park's numbers start dwindling, they introduce a new exhibit, but how do you do that when your exhibits are living, breathing creatures? And that was smart. The Indominus Rex, you know, a creature that's half T-Rex, half Raptor. I mean, Jesus Christ. And I heard there's a theory that, like, they put a little human DNA in there, and that's why it's so smart. And I like that theory. But then the T-Rex fucks that guy up, and I love seeing that giant aqua dinosaur just eat it. (laughs) Yeah, the final like the, the the final twenty minutes of Jurassic World are just so entertaining.
1: <laughs> oh, it's it's so satisfying. If there's yeah. one fault to be had, I know there was that controversy with the the nanny or not the nanny the chick that got tasked with babysitting. They kind of yeah, was unnecessary. You, watching them like you do kind of linger on her death more than anyone's a little unnecessarily long.
0: Cool, oh, like not, that should have been Vincent D'Onofrio's death. He's the he's the bad guy. Yeah. Oh. That would have been a great death for Doctor Wu. Yes, that yeah, I would have been down with that.
1: So I did yeah that yeah I really I definitely could do like a whole episode on transports. I actually do really think that's a really good sequel and a lot of awesome scenes with the Indominus Rex when it attacks uh, the whole Raptor scene when he's going out on motorcycles and they're going in should be corny as fuck but it looks really cool somehow.
0: That's how the Indominus Rex can like speak Raptor and turns them against the soldiers. That was so cool.
1: Yeah, that was I remember sitting there in theater going, Oh shit, get back to the truck now. And then again, the kids in this one,
0: just like with the first one, are actually like pretty likable kids. Like they did a really good job with the kids. Apparently, people only send their kids to Jurassic Park if they're going through a divorce. Like that's just you know, dinosaurs fix family problems.
1: Until the park goes to shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think this this movie's cool. I'm personally, I'm getting a little tired of Chris Pratt. I'm I'm tired of seeing him play Star Lord in every single movie. Uh, I would like I'm, I like that the new one, you know, with the new one, the original three are coming back just for a nice change of pace.
1: Yeah, I I like him in this movie, and this came out right before we got too oversaturated that I can't at least like him in this movie. But no, I'm with you. I think he got really – because he did this after Guardian. Yeah, he did. It was Guardians of the Galaxy and this, and then he just was everywhere. And I was like, all right, I'm getting kind of tired of seeing you play the same thing. But I do, I do like him in this uh, movie. He does really well with Bryce Dallas
0: Howard. He's just so annoying, though. And I don't know why they keep forcing them to be together. Like, they don't have to be together. Like, I think it works better if they're not. Like, we don't need that.
1: Yeah, you know, it was fine in the first movie, and then they
0: bring it up again, and I'm like, oh,
1: God damn, we're going down this again.
0: I don't care if two characters whose names escape me don't, you know, hook up at the end of Dinosaur movie. I just don't care. And I don't think anyone does. I don't know why they focus so much energy on that. And that takes us to 2018's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, most recent sequel, uh, I worked this one too at Draft House. I got to see this on an employee screening, and I, I liked it. Uh, I it was forgettable, but I did like it. I yeah, I'm with you. I liked it. I, I give Jurassic
1: World uh, the edge out over this one. I think they spent a lot of time with this one. Oddly enough, doing the same thing that Lost for did, and going on a much more horror approach. And again, the, the I forget the dinosaur's name, but the one they spliced together in this one was really cool, dinosaur. And it was scary as shit.
0: No Raptor.
1: They're, yeah. I I liked it. Um, but I felt like they spent a lot of time with it just being a setup for the one that's coming soon.
0: I thought it was crazy how they just completely slide the fact that they can clone human beings like under the rug. I mean, you're just going to bring that up and walk away. That is incredibly earth shattering information.
1: (laughs) And see these things we're talking about when you said this series hasn't trumped a shark, This series has completely jumped the shark long ago, but for the love of God, you're doing enough jumping. Don't jump with clone human dinosaur hybrids. Like the moment I feel like you're getting there when they're that chick's like, I'm cloned. And I'm like, what the fuck?
0: I don't know. I thought that Rafe Spall's character was made to be way way too unlikable. Like just the absolute worst shit that it just felt great to see him get eaten. Uh, same with Ted Levine. I love seeing Ted Levine get his arm ripped off by an Indoraptor. That was great. Dude, I, I, just, I love that guy in anything I see him in. I,
1: was to say, I just love Ted Levine. So as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Ted yeah. Levine.
0: We got him. It is so obvious he's a bad guy from the beginning. Like just there's so many red flags about every The fact he's ripping dinosaurs' teeth out, like that's not a that's not our hero.
1: <laughs> I don't think he tried hiding it. <laughs>
0: Didn't at all. He was uh, like, I
1: want a buffalo bill this for you. Is that okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is that a great big fat dinosaur? <laughs> oh my god. I am just picturing Buffalo Bill on his Linublar now. That's in my head forever.
1: Put the lotion in the skin.
0: <laughs> um so the movie ends with the dinosaurs being let out into the world, and uh, yeah, that's now where we're at with Dominion, which comes out next year. Uh, I think Colin Trevor is he coming back to direct this one? I want to say it's him. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, yeah. Everyone's coming back. Uh, plot's being kept under wraps. Uh, it was supposed to come out this year, got pushed because COVID. Now we're getting it next year. And uh, I'm, you know, yeah. I think since, you know, Jurassic World is kind of a retread of Jurassic Park and Fallen Kingdom was a bit of a retread of Lost World. I'm not surprised that Jurassic Park 3 is bringing Alan Grant back to the island.
1: <laughs> as back. long as it's not quality of Jurassic Park
0: 3, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I, as long as it's not an hour 20 and just stops, I'll be fine.
1: And I get another dinosaur looking at Grant going Alan.
0: If you did you know every honest trailer since that episode has had that hidden somewhere. Yes. <laughs> God, I love that commitment. Um, I give Jurassic Park a 10. It's a bona fide classic, and it's just a fantastic movie. It's all it always has been.
1: Yeah, same. It's a 10. This is a movie that to this day, and parts of the day, of day it it takes me back it makes me feel like a child again you know and that joy i had when i first started that hasn't gone away at the age of 28 and yeah this is a perfect film for me i love this film as i've said numerous times can't wait to show it to more people if i ever have a family so
0: thanks for listening hope you enjoyed it next week in case you haven't caught the many hints i've been laying throughout this episode we're going back to my childhood For the film that scared me so much that I have nightmares about it to this day. I've talked about it many times on this show. It's time to do a full episode. The weirdest part is, it's not even a horror movie. (laughs) It's a sci-fi comedy from 2001. When two college professors stumble onto proof of alien life, they become thrust into a military effort to destroy the alien life forms that are evolving at a highly accelerated rate. From director Ivan Reitman, next week's film is 2001's Evolution starring David Duchovny, Orlando Jones, Sean William Scott, and Julianne Moore. Sure to be cathartic and hilarious, so don't miss it. Yeah, I'm hoping I may be able to finally unravel just what it is about this movie that fucked me up. <laughs> or it just breaks you. Well You know, I might break down and cry next week. I don't know. <laughs> I, I
1: also turns into the raving lunatics of a madman.
0: Might be the episode that just breaks me and the podcast is over, or at least my time on it is because I can't speak anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to put in a padded cell, just going, it's a monkey. i like, just freaking out.
1: <laughs> don't don't uh, let them tell me where you're at. Cause I'm going to bring a fake blue monkey all the time.
0: I've had so many friends say, they're going to do that to me after I announced that I, like after I tell them about this, they're like, I'm totally going to dress up as a blue monkey. And I'm like, I want to be like, fuck you. I can fight it in you. I thought you were cool. And then they say that shit. And I'm like, oh.
1: I'm finding a blue monkey now. If I'm on the episode, just say
0: nobody I've ever known has understood. So maybe I can use this episode to finally explain my side of this thing. Um, don't miss She Done Him Wrong on Oscar Sunday. Nobody on the sneak preview and whatever the giggle guys are cooking up for Friday. Until then, don't go to Dinosaur Island. Never breed Velociraptors and don't piss off the IT guy. See you next Wednesday and keep watching movies.